0: Welcome into to the Unnamed MMA Podcast. I'm Adam Abdallah, along with Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter at one on 1000 Follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. We are back. We've got a great episode for you today. We are previewing another UFC fight night, but we've got a special guest coming up towards the end, too. We will be talking to Bilal Muhammad. He's fighting in UFC 280, so it should be a great episode for sure. Jordan, how's it going?
1: Good, good. Excited to talk to Bilal in uh, anticipation of his big fight at Abu Dhabi of UFC 280. Obviously, I didn't know what to do with my life last week. I didn't talk to you. I didn't have bad <laughs> fights to bet on. It was kind of like, you know, just twiddling my thumbs, waiting around for tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon to, uh, to happen. So, um, But we won. We had some good, we had some good winners. Uh, Anthony Hernandez really uh, and uh, RoboCop mm-hmm. uh, really helped us out a ton.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, let's, let's be honest. We've got Bilal coming up on here in a little bit, but this is not a good card for Saturday. Like this is, I don't, I could, can this even be considered a fight night? Like this should be, this should be free for everyone. And like, this should be, this, th- this is what should be an email. Like just do the fight, send it out. Be like,
1: this is who won. You guys don't want well, to actually, I mean, it's funny you mention that because this fight is going to be contested in front of like no fans and no media um for some reason you dana white closed the apex and there was a rumor um that mark zuckerberg like bought the arena and like just rented it out for him and like five of his buddies there's i don't know if there's any truth to that rumor Damn, but okay. yeah i mean it's a it's a lackluster car but as i've said to you and we've talked about countless times like at the end of the day that doesn't really matter like we're we're, we're gonna bet on these fights and we're gonna win some money on these fights of course so are they entertaining names are they big time stars no But we're still going to walk away with some cash uh, to, you know, gamble on the NFL the next day.
0: Absolutely. So let's start. uh, We're going to start here with a couple of just the co-main events. There's the main event, and then there's the fight that is right before that. Randy Brown against Francisco Trinaldo. Francisco Trinaldo's plus 250, a heavy underdog. Randy Brown, the favorite, minus 340. Uh, Randy Brown is on a three-fight winning streak. He's got a 5-1 mark over his last six appearances. It seems like the odds dictate that he's going to keep that going. But what do you think, Jordan?
1: I mean, I do think he's going to continue to win, but before we, you know, really like break down the fight, can we all just be Francisco Tornado for one moment? I mean, the dude's 44 years of age, yeah. and still crushing it uh, in the UFC. He's 14 and four in the UFC. He's five and one in his last six fights. He's the angels wonder. Uh, the, he drank out of the, the fountain of youth for sure. Um, you know, he went up in weight uh, a couple of fights ago. To move up to welterweight after a long-standing career at, at lightweight. And look, he's, he's extremely athletic. Uh, he's durable. He's got power. But I think this is going to be a, a moment where the move up to welterweight is really going to, to not do him favors. Because Randy Brown is an enormous welterweight. He's going to have a, a reach advantage. He's going to have the speed advantage. He's going to be able to utilize a very effective jab and really that the, I think the way to 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 hurt Randy Brown is to get inside a phone booth with him we saw that in his uh, his last loss which was you know four fights ago against Vicente Luque uh, when Vicente Luque you know finished him in the second round but we just we, we know how deadly and devastating Vicente Luque can be I, and so I just don't think Francisco Tornado has that skill set enough to you know get through those those disadvantages physically that he's going to have uh, and, and even get this fight to the ground where, you know, mm-hmm. Francisco Trinidad probably has the advantage, but we, we haven't really seen him take the fight to the ground lately. So uh, it's, it's a parlay stuffer for me with Randy Brown. He's going to win the fight. I don't think he gets a finish because Francisco Trinidad is just so tough. Um, so uh, but uh, I'll like to see where Randy Brown goes next. Uh, you know, considering that I believe he's going to win this fight.
0: Yeah. So Randy Brown by decision is plus one hundred and forty. Uh, Randy Brown by submission is plus four hundred and fifty, and Randy Brown to win by knockout is plus two hundred and twenty-five. So you think that you're just going to put this in a parlay? But maybe if you think it's going to go the distance, Randy Brown by decision to plus one hundred and forty is not a bad option.
1: I, I yeah, I, I think that that was the option that you'd have to you'd have to take. I mean, we're we're talking about Francisco Tornado not being finished. Since March of two, 2017, that was against Kevin Lee. Uh, you know, prior to that, I mean, you, you have to go in way, you know, a way-back machine up to t- 2013 to to talk about a finish, uh, a, you know, that Francisco Trinado lost. I mean, he he goes three rounds hard with really the, the who's who in the lightweight division and, mm-hmm. you know, s- since he's gone to the welterweight division. And Randy Brown, I mean, I think just, you know, he's not really a big finisher either. Uh, so I, I think the decision win comfortably on the judges' score, Carl, maybe 29, 28, 30, 27. You know, maybe two judges, 29, 28, 30, 27. But Randy Brown, if you need that decision, you do that, that prop at that value, yeah, then I would go decision. But I think Randy Brown's just a safe play. He's going to win the fight and put it into a parlay.
0: All right, we'll go with Randy Brown then. And our main event, John Yonan against Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern is, a plus, is minus 260, a heavy favorite. Yonan is plus 195. Uh, And Mackenzie Dern is coming here. She's now 12-4 and overall, won five of her last six. I mean, this is a top 10 in the strawweight division between these two women here fighting. And so you're just trying to move up here in the division. But as the odds would say, Mackenzie Dern, the heavy favorite here at minus 260.
1: Yeah, and look, I mean, Mackenzie Dern came in with a lot of notoriety into the UFC. I mean, this is probably the most accomplished women's grappler and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Champion that the UFC has ever seen. She's an absolute, you know, whiz on the ground. Seven of her victories, seven of her twelve wins have come via submission. And in, in all likelihood, like if she gets this fight to the ground, she's she's expected to 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 win the fight and get a submission. We saw that just how impressive she is when she submitted Nina Nunez a couple of fights ago. Um, but here's the thing. We, we, we've seen time and time again when she's unable to at least get a quick finish or considerably time after time get takedowns, uh, she struggles. She struggled against Amanda Hibas, and she struggled against Marina Rodriguez. Uh, both of the times she got that fight to the ground, but both of the times she couldn't get the finish, and then she had to contest the fight on the feet, and she struggles because she's still developing um, that, that striking game, that striking acumen. Jean Yelnin is a very accomplished kickboxer, ha- has very good fluidity uh, in her strikes. We have seen her get taken down sometimes, and she did get finished um, via TKO, uh, via strikes by Carla Esparza, the current champion in the division, but we know how accomplished of a wrestler Carla Esparza is. So my my hesitancy is to, to in backing Dern is because of that, just that, Development of her striking and like she, it, she dominated Marina Marina Rodriguez in one of the rounds. Like it was a 10 8 round, I think, first round, maybe she took her down and just controlled her, but couldn't get the submission. And then she couldn't get the takedowns after that. And the fight was on the feet and she lost and she lost bad. I think that's going to happen again. I'm going with the underdog uh, as a straight play. All right. John Yelnan at plus 200. Oof. Too much for me. To back Dern and too much for me to ignore. Thinking the fact that Jean Yelnan's not really a person that's gonna get submitted. It's a it's a five-round fight. And I think enough of the time the fight's gonna be on the feet where Jean Yelnan is 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 considerably better. I mean, Mackenzie Dern, I think, like has a nine or ten percent takedown accuracy. Like she doesn't just go for double legs and single legs like Carla Esparza, like. The takedown has to happen mm-hmm. in like via strikes and then the submission has to present itself. Whereas, you know, Carlos Farah is a straight up wrestler. She's looking to take the fight to the ground. So at plus money, Abdallah, like I, I, I'm going with Jean Nan just straight up to win. Love it. Because just too, too, too spicy of a price for me not to ignore.
0: Love it. And if you're going uh, hunting by uh, for some methods of victory, Yonan to win by uh, knockout is seven to one. Uh, by decision is plus 330 and then by submission 25 to 1 like you said but that's most likely not going to happen so but just going with the straight up overdog at plus 195 plus 200 wherever you can get it that's a that's a that's a tasty little uh, nugget there on a on a Saturday
1: yeah yeah and and, you know Jean uh, Yelnan was the first one on the scale at weigh-ins uh you know uh, on Friday she looked good McKenzie Dern you know took her time a little bit I mean she looked fine she was on the scale but um, again, like every 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 fight starts on the feet, you know. And this fight is a long fight. We've seen that Dern and, and Dern and Jelnand can go for you know pretty pretty long fights. But I just think that there's 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 too much in that price and and, and thinking that this fight's going to be immediately put to the ground. That Dern's that good and that Jelnan's just going to be just to succumb to a submission. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, so I'm going to back Zhao Nan at, at that price for sure.
0: All right. So those are two fights on the main card. Anything else on this UFC fight night that piques your interest?
1: Yeah. How can we not talk about the fun heavyweight fight on the prelims between Alexi Olenek, the boa constrictor yeah. and Alir Latifi. Uh, this is a fight we talked about a couple of podcasts back. It was canceled. Uh, we backed, I was backing Alir Latifi. I will also back him again. Uh, it's one of the fights that I am uh, fully releasing via the Fat Jack Sports Service. Uh, Alexi Olenek needs to be able to wrap up an anaconda choke to win the fight. That's how he wins fights. And look, I think 48 wins, 45 via submission. So, like, he's good at it. Like, he's been doing it for a while. Now, TV doesn't have a neck, okay? And I'm just, I'm just saying no, no he neck. doesn't have a neck. No neck. So, now you're relying on Alexi Olenek to probably get a submission somehow else. Um, and, you know, lumbering strikes... L- tv has got a very solid wrestling base. He's a very powerful striker. Um, it's it's probably it's not lower level heavyweights, but it's lower ish level heavyweights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Latifi's is going to win the fight, either stoppage or or decision. Uh, I'm not comfortable either way because Alexey Linux does have his chin has been certainly questioned in 50 plus fights in his you know 60 plus fights in his MMA career. He's 45. He also actually weighed the heaviest he's ever been Oof. since um, he made his UFC debut several years ago. That might be because Alir Latifi kind of is a natural light heavyweight. Uh, but this is like his third or fourth fight at heavyweight, so maybe Olenek's going to try and use some size. But I, I think Olenek needs a neck to win the fight, and Alir Latifi doesn't have a neck. So I'm going to take <laughs> Alir Latifi uh, at a dollar seventy.
0: All right, if you parlay those two, uh, Latifi and Randy Brown, like we mentioned, that's even money right there. So that's not a bad little play to to put in there because Latifi's like minus 190. Randy Brown is minus 325. So you put those two together, you're like you're that's even money. That's dead even money right there.
1: Yeah, look, and, and I think that that probably is a smart play just because I think Randy Brown has those advantages really everywhere. I mean, Francisco Toronto maybe pulls a rabbit out of the head and and, and, and lands something early mm-hmm. on Brown, but I don't think that. Same thing with Lomelić, maybe a submission, but I think yeah, both guys should win 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 comfortably. Um, you know, no method of victory. Certainly I talked about Brown via decision, but TV could get a stoppage, but I think just the dollar 70 is worth the price.
0: So that is our preview of the upcoming UFC Fight Night, and we are now pleased to be joined by one of our friends of the podcast, Bilal Muhammad. He is fighting at UFC 280. He's taking on Sean Brady, who is 15-0. Bilal Muhammad comes in at 21-3 and on a hot streak right now. He is in Dubai right now trading for UFC 280. That's going to be taking place in Abu Dhabi. So, Bilal, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. You were a few weeks out from this fight. You're in Dubai. How is the training going so far?
2: Man, I Going great, feeling good, um, training down here with uh, Team Habib and his guys uh, as they're down here too, training for Islam Islamakh Chip in the main event. So we got a bunch of killers down here. It's a killers row. Like uh, just being able to come down here and acclimate this early feels good. It's, uh, one of the best choices I made, and uh, I'm just happy, you know, because it's like it's a different time zone, so you know you don't have to sit there and. If I'm in Chicago, I have to train, then this person wants me to do this for them, this person wants me to do that for them, or somebody's calling you for something. Uh, We're in a different time zone. So when I'm awake, the other people are my family and everybody's sleeping. So there's no other stresses. It's only me concentrating on fighting and concentrating on a fight. Uh, It just feels good.
0: Except for us. We can bother you, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, except for you guys. And I was like, all right, it's all all good. I'll give you guys a a
1: call. (laughs) Well, we'll touch upon that, Bilal. Why, for those relatively new to the sport, why is it important for a fighter to acclimate themselves to whatever environment they're going to be fighting in?
2: Uh, Man, it's huge, especially when it's a different time zone change because usually when we're fighting, we would go down to the fight on the the Tuesday of fight week. So we'll have like three days in whatever town or state we're in, and then we fight on Saturday. That's what we're normally used to. Um, uh, but when you're fighting in Dubai and we're nine hours ahead of here, uh, it's a lot different. Your body doesn't acclimate Right. Your body doesn't feel right until, you know, it's on the right time clock. And like, even this first week that I was training down here, uh, it felt horrible. Like I would wake up. I mean, I'll try to go to get on their time clock, so I'll go to sleep at like midnight, but I'll wake up at 2am and be wide awake. Uh, and then we train in the morning at like 10am and it's like. I got, like, two hours of sleep, and then you have Khabib standing in front of you wanting to uh, wrestle with you, and you're like, what the fudge?" Uh, all right, I guess. And for them, the, a lot of the Russians, uh, their time difference is only an hour, so they didn't really have to acclimate a lot, but for me, I had a I had a nine-hour difference, and it took me like probably, like, six or seven days just wow. to feel good, just to feel all right. And then this is me not even... This is me dieting, but this is not me weight cut week where... I'm not eating many calories. Uh, I'm annoyed by everybody and everything like that. So, uh, a lot of those guys that I think they're going to come down and fight weak and just think it's going to be normal, they're going to be in for a rude awakening.
0: So we got you on a good week before you're annoyed <laughs> and you're you're eating less calories and you can't eat anything. What's it? What's it like training with Habib Nurmagomedov? Like he's one of the best to ever do it. What's that intensity like in those in uh, those training sessions?
2: It's uh, different, man. It's it's real different. I've been to a lot of gyms, trained with a lot of teams, and really like their their team brotherhood is something really different too. Because like we're it's kind of like the Ultimate Fighter house where we have drivers to take it to the gym. Then from the gym we come back here. We all eat together lunch, breakfast, dinner. We're all together at all times. And then like if uh, Habib has any, you know, he's like a superstar out here. He has so many me and Greece that he has to do, like the whole team goes with him together. The whole team is there together with him. We're all driving in the same buses, same van together. So just that whole team morale feels good. And then on the other end, all these guys have been training since they're like two years old and they're all good everywhere. They're all great grapplers, great strikers. And there's not an easy round. There's there's usually those rounds at your gym where you're like, oh, well, I'll go with so-and-so today because, you know, I'm feeling kind of sore. Over here, there's no rounds like that at all. And... For Habib, if you tell him you're tired, uh, he'll only make you go harder because now he's Coach Habib, so it's it's different as a coach now uh, as he's pushing these guys and pushing all of us. And you can see it in his eyes. Like He did not like to lose. He he hates losing, and we're just playing soccer right now. I never played soccer in my life. Uh, he picked me on his team, and like he's going nuts, napping, when one of us mess up. And I'm like, bro, I, I told you I don't play soccer. I play basketball. And uh, it's just fun because like, we're all doing this stuff as a team. So it's just building more of a team morale uh, with each other. And we're playing these games. And then they always have these. We play Dagestani basketball to warm up. And if you guys never heard of that, that's literally uh, Dagestan's version of rugby. But it's with the basketball, and you have to make the ball in the hoop. But we're wrestling. Right? You, you can't dribble the ball. I thought I could dribble the ball, but all of a sudden I got taken down and picked up and slammed. And I was like, what the heck are you guys doing? I like, no, no, no dribble, no dribble. Run, run, run with the ball in your head. I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. It that was a cool experience, very fun. And uh, surprisingly, uh, they're very controlled where they won't hurt you while you're playing a basketball.
1: I think I saw a video of, of Makachev playing that version of uh, basketball. And, yeah. and below, I apologize because I don't remember if he was last time you fought, but is, is Habib going to be in your corner uh, for the big fight at UFC 280? Uh, he will be this time. This is
2: my first time. Oh, this is your first time. Guys. Okay. Yeah, this is our first time working together for longer than a week. Like usually, I'll go go train with them when they're in Vegas or something like that. I'll go visit, but uh, nothing as long as this. This is five weeks down here in Dubai with them, and um, yeah, I'm gonna have him in my corner. So it's uh, it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be a really big for me to have a mind like that in my corner and uh, just over here. Like, when we spar, he's cornering. It's, it's different, too. They give you, like, the fight mentality here when you're sparring. A lot of gyms will just have everybody just randomly spar at the same time. But over here, it's like, no. When two guys are sparring, we're all watching. And Khabib's coaching on one corner and the other coach, Javier Mendez, coaching the other corner. And, like, you're getting real, you know, live look or feels like it's a real fight. And just, like, hearing his corner work and hearing the stuff that he was telling me to do in between rounds. Uh, it was great. He's, he's like a genius.
0: Bilal Muhammad joining us on the Unnamed MMA podcast, Adam Abdallah, along with Jordan Sherwood. You're fighting Sean Brady at UFC 280. He's undefeated 15-0. and 0. You've had a recent run of great success. You are an underdog at plus 120 right now. What can you tell us about Sean Brady as a fighter and what have you done to, if anything, to adjust your style to kind of take on where he, he has strengths?
2: Uh, I don't really have to doing much adjustments for me. Like I said, I, my last four or five fights, I felt like I fought um, different styles and some of the best guys in the world. And every camp you're training, you're you're learning and you're getting better a version of yourself. So for me, I went from fighting Damian Mayo, who's I feel one of the best grapplers to ever do it, and then going from him to fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's one of the best strikers to ever do it those are two completely different fighters and I had two completely different camps for those fights. So I had to do a lot of adjustments, a lot of things, and I think it like leveled me up uh, a lot as a fighter and a mindset. And then going on after that to fight a guy and Luke who beat me before and he's good in jiu jitsu and good in striking, he's good everywhere. So he's not like literally like a specialist in one thing. So I had to put both of those two camps together for Luke. And I just feel like the camps that I've had uh, they've made me grow more than the guys that he's fought. Like I feel like he hasn't fought anybody like me or anybody near the the level of guys that I fought. And uh, he's gonna be a rude, rude awakening, you know. I, guys like him who are undefeated, uh, you know, they they've never really seen damage in the cage before. Uh, we saw his last fight a little bit when he fought Michael Kessa. Michael Kessa was starting to put it on him a little bit, and you can see him breaking at at some point, and then it was excuses after excuses after the fight. But, uh, you know, he came out on top, he won, kept his undefeated record going, but my team, we see a lot of holes in his game, and we're going to exploit those holes. And like I said, for me, I like to go against guys that they think I'm going to lose to. Uh, I think that I've been an underdog probably in my last three or four fights where I feel like the fighters even underestimated me, and You know, Vegas underestimated me, but like I said, I'm training with the best in the world. Sean Brady is one of the best grapplers in the UFC. While I'm training with, Habib, the best to ever do it, uh, do his style in the UFC. So I think I'm in the right place with the right team and doing the right things.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bilal, we we know that you'll fight anybody. Like, whatever the fight is, you'll sign it, you'll show up. But it just seems like it's weird matchmaking, at least to us. I mean, Brady hasn't fought the level of competition that you have. And obviously, in the shakeup now of the welterweight division with Leon Edwards, a guy that you have unfinished business with now as the champ, like, wh- why are you taking this fight? And especially now in Abu Dhabi, where you got to acclimate to a new environment. Yeah, you
2: know, it was on the it was going back and forth a lot with the UFC. Uh, cause like the fight really didn't make sense. So then I was just like, Oh, all right. Am I getting promised a title fight after this? And they're like, well, you know, we don't do that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but for me, it was like, nobody else wanted to fight me. The, at the time, Hamzat was fighting Nate Diaz. Uh, and they said, well, we got that one booked. And then I was like, that really doesn't make any sense at all. But for them, they don't really care. They were, they thought I was going to sell. So Hamza was booked. And then they, I was trying to get Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns was saying he wasn't going to fight nobody but Maz at all. So then it was like I was the guy stuck in the middle uh, trying to figure out what to do. So, And I'm a guy that I don't like to sit on the sidelines. If I'm healthy, I like to like to fight. And they were like, well, this is the only guy that's available right now. This is all we have. So it was still just talking with my team, waiting with my team. And I wanted to be on this card, actually, because – um, the last time I fought here, it was huge. The, the fan base, everybody, uh, the way they uh, brought me in, it was amazing. And that was like four years ago. So now to be able to come back again and to be on a card as big as this, it's going to be amazing as well. I just feel like, you know, to finally – I'm not obviously from uh, the UAE, but uh, I am uh, an Arab from Palestine. And to have all the people out here support me for once, Where I'm not in America, and you have uh, loser screaming "USA" in the crowd. When I'm from Chicago, you (laughs) moron. It's just funny, but you know, at least this will be the first time I'll be like, "All right, I'll be the
0: A side." (laughs) That was my next question. Was going to be as a Muslim, as a Palestinian, as an Arab. Like, what does it mean for you to be over there now? And like, you know, even being in Dubai for five weeks and getting ready for this fight, just being and immersing yourself in your own culture and being back there and fighting there and hopefully getting a win there in not your home country but in the Middle East as as an Arab and as a Muslim. It's it's
2: amazing, man. Honestly, it's like you don't really you don't really think about it as. as how much different it is on this side of the world because you're so comfortable with, with the U.S. and it's like getting out of my comfort zone to come down here, train with a, a team uh, that, I, that I haven't known with these guys on another side of the world, a different time zone. Uh, but to be around my people, to see how they're embracing me and to just like literally the level of connections that I'm gaining out here from people that just want to meet me, see me, uh, anything you need, car service, uh, hotel, whatever you want. Like, I'm sitting there, like, really, the hospitality is amazing over here, and it just feels good that you know that people are actually out here, like, appreciating what you do, seeing what you do, uh, and loving you for representing them. So it just feels good to know that you know you have a, a big country like this uh, supporting you, and to know that like. There's not going to be one boo in the crowd when I'm walking out.
1: It's funny that you mention your fandom because I feel like every Bell fight week we see the Chase Hooper video. Do you do you laugh at that <laughs> now? That <laughs> several years after that, literally a guy's ask, a fight fan's asking you to take his and uh, Chase's photo.
2: <laughs> no, it, hey, no it's, we we literally we set that up. It was me and Chase, and then we, the fan asked us for a picture. But then uh, there's a couple times where I was just tossed out there eating. And uh, the fan, like somebody randomly asked me to take a picture of Paul Felder. So then I was just like, all right, I'm going to start doing that for everybody now. So <laughs> any fighter I met, I would always make a, uh, make a fan act like they're, they're taking a video of it. So it, it was great. It was fun at the time. Uh, but it's, it, like you said, it's, it's just hilarious. A lot of people think it's like, oh, man, it's so that's crazy. Nobody knows you're a loser, blah, blah, blah. And I, just, I just like laugh about it. Because for me, I, I mean, I love joking. I love making funny videos. So uh, That video is still going hard. Yeah, uh, like two years later.
1: It certainly is. Uh, you mentioned his <laughs> name earlier. Hazmat Shemaev now has announced that he's moving up to uh, middleweight. Are you a little bit disappointed that uh, you wouldn't have the opportunity to fight him at welterweight?
2: I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't believe that he's moving up yet. I think that for for he's like on that McGregor tweeting uh, bench or where they just tweet stuff to to get articles written about them or to get. Uh, people talking. Uh, he just what did he just tweet? Middleweight. Or now he just tweeted today, "Kobe coming to the next." Like the, on the McGregor side, same way where he'll just like randomly tweet something or post a video of inspiring sparring, and then all of a sudden the whole world's like, "Oh, McGregor's coming back. What is he coming back?" Blah blah. blah. Uh, these guys just do it for attention, and I think that they just do it. They they crave that attention. They love that attention, and you can just tell that Shama on that same boat as him where he loves that attention now he when when he gets booed he he loves that when he missed weight and he didn't care at all like he loves that so i like, I think for sure he's gonna stay at 170 for a little bit and I think we're definitely gonna be seeing each other after this
0: Bilal Muhammad joining us, friend of the podcast. Last time you were on with us, we asked you about your announcing and you were getting into some coaching and you were in a corner and you're doing all this stuff where you're, you know, on the desk for fights. And now this time, every time we talk to you, there's a new venture. There's Bilal, and you didn't, full disclosure, you did not ask us to promote this or not say anything. You didn't say anything to us about this, but get fighter shredded. You've got the cuts going. You've got the videos going. You've got the meal plans going. So now what, you're, you're going to be a fitness guru now?
2: <laughs> I Appreciate you, bro. Uh, no, like I, I get it all the time. Where because I used to train my family members, I would ha- I would have a, a, a nighttime session at my gym where I'd have all my cousins, family, brothers. They would come and I'd just put them through like a little boot camp. And I, they all keep asking me the same thing: "Oh, you got to bring it back. You got to bring it back. You got to bring the boot camp back." And I was like, "I don't have time for it for that right now." But then I was just like, "On I mean, somebody I was I trained with, they were like, oh, why don't you just make an online program.'" it'll make it easier for you where, you know, you don't have to be in person. People can buy it, and they can do your workouts yourself, your your diet plan with them, and then it'll be easier for them to maintain and easier for you to deal with them. So, uh, you know, we set up a whole program up for it, and it, it popped. I think it was uh, really good. I had a lot of people messaging me saying, telling me they've lost over 20 pounds, 30 pounds, um, and that was just with the diet. Then when they started adding the workouts into it, they starting to see, uh different things. So now a lot of them are asking me to, oh, could we get a different one? Could we get a, something for winter? Could we get something for now? So now yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have to uh step my game up, to be one of those uh Taibo classes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And where can people get that?
2: Uh you can get it on my website. Uh on my uh on my website at remember I have it up there and then uh you can just click uh, get fighter or shredded. I also have a free three day detox on there. Uh what I usually do like when I'm about to start camp or uh, get, you know, if I had a bad weekend or something like that, I do like a three-day detox, not even juices. It's just like eating healthier, but it's like three small meals, uh, just vegetables, protein. Uh, You could definitely lose at least 10 pounds doing that as well.
1: Well, that's awesome, Bilal. Um, Real quick, too, uh, in regards to UFC 280, you mentioned you were training with Islam Makachev. He's fighting in the main event. Now, teammates aside, I want you to put on your analyst hat. What are we going to see in the main event between him and Charles Oliveira to determine the lightweight champion of the world?
2: <laughs> um, honestly, uh, I got trained with a lot of guys in this world, and Islam is probably the best person I ever worked with. And just seeing him, watching him, going with him—he's at another level. And you've always heard it before that oh, you know, Islam is better than Habib, and you know, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to be the champion forever. This guy is going to be the champion. He's the one that. He's the real one. And I was like, uh, they're just talking, hyping him up. But then seeing him, going with him, he's definitely the guy. Obviously, Charles is the monster as well. I'm not one of those guys that think he's just going to walk through Charles. Charles definitely, he's had his ups, he's had his downs. And I think his downs is what built him to be the monster he is today. Like his striking has been on another level. His power, we've heard it with Gigi saying that you know he's never been hit by anybody harder than that, and his grappling has always been on another level. So uh, I think it's going to be a great fight, but I do think that just Islam it just has a style to beat him. Charles is one of those guys where he's comfortable letting you take him down a little bit, and he'll play off his back, try to play jujitsu with you, uh, but you don't want to play jujitsu with Islam. Islam is jujitsu is really good, and if he's on top of you. Adding the ground upon, he's going to hurt you. The last three Charles opponents, none of them really wanted to go to the ground with him. I know uh, Michael Chandler knocked him down with a punch, uh, and then he started hitting him with some ground upon, but he rocked him to get him down. He didn't shoot for a takedown and want to take him down. Islam is going to want to take you down. He's going to want to go into your world where you're comfortable in, and I think he's going to drown him in there. So I think, honestly, I think it's going to be a finish uh, for, for Islam before the fifth round. I think it's going to be fourth or third round.
0: Well, thanks, Bilal. We really appreciate the relationship. We've gotten to know you over the past few years, and obviously Chicago is behind you. We're supporting you as well, and hopefully you can go out there and get a win at UFC 280. Thanks a lot, man. Good luck. Thank
2: you, guys. Appreciate you, brother.
0: That was Bilal Muhammad. Thank you to him for joining us here on the Unnamed MMA podcast. You can catch that fight, UFC 280, October 20th, uh, October 22nd. It is a great card here, Jordan, coming up. One I can't wait for.
1: Yeah, That. that- Fight card is absolutely, I mean, loaded. Not just, you know, the fights we talked about, Alurov and Makachev. Uh, you know, we didn't even mention Benil Dariush is on that card. Uh, Sugar Sean is on that card. Bilal Muhammad currently, by the way, sitting at plus money, plus one twenty, plus one fifteen. At some places, plus one sixteen on FanDuel right now. I'm looking at, so uh, I would grab him. And also, I'm, I'm saying this right now. I'm saying it to you. I'm not, I didn't say it to Balel, but like, I'm not going to any like holiday parties or anything like that with Bilal. 'Cause like he's gonna he's gonna put his family through the ringer on like oh, all yeah. the training. Like uh-huh. imagine just being a guest at his house, like having yeah. to go through all that stuff. No, thank you.
0: Absolutely. No, he's great, and hopefully he can come away with a victory for UFC two eighty. That's Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter at woodonespn one thousand. Get all of his picks at fatjacksports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Adam a. Abdallah. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Unnamed MMA podcast.